Someone passed behind Tomas. An elbow brushed Tomas's back. Pardon me, said a slightly familiar male voice. Sure, Tomas said, while focusing most of his attention on the stage. Then an intuition pricked him. He glanced over his shoulder. The voice belonged to the man with sharp cheekbones and baggy plastic jacket. He wormed through the crowd toward the nearby cypress planter. The crowd erupted in applause and cheers. Rolston glanced around, then pumped his fist and shouted, Hoorah! Tomas craned his neck to keep an eye on the man in the baggy tan jacket. Sweat suddenly bloomed on his forehead, and not from the rays of Epsilon Iridani. Pardon me, he said to Rolston and Unzai. He sidled through the crowd, following the man in the baggy jacket. He stopped with a screen of spectators between them, slicing his view of the man into vertical strips. The man stood on tiptoes, with his belly against the flat concrete ledge grimming the planter. The bottom of his jacket dangled between the planter wall and his leg. Something bulged in the jacket's front pockets, with an intent look in his eyes harmonizing with the sharp angle of his cheekbones, he dug through the planter's loose soil with both hands. He rose from the planter holding a transparent bag. Soil clung to the thick plastic and obscured the object inside. A bluish-gray shape, a thin cylinder about twenty centimeters long. The man brushed the dirt from the bag, then plunged it into one of his jacket pockets. Suddenly, his thick mop of hair flowed with his head, as if he sensed he was watched. Tomas jolted his gaze up to Forrester. From the corner of his eye, he glimpsed the man's sharp cheekbone and newly hunched shoulders. The path stretches before us, Forrester's voice echoed from the speakers. The man's shoulders eased back and down, the weight of hands and more in his pockets pulled taut his jacket. Forrester continued his speech. The way is long and difficult, but it is far more dangerous for us to heed the fool's counsel of the complacent, to hide our heads in virtual realities, and do nothing to gird against the unity and progressive republic's renewed aggression. The man snaked closer to the stage. His jacket sleeves rippled, as if his hands worked at some intricate assembly in his pockets. Tomas's peripheral vision fell away. His eyes became a scope locked on the man. Out of the way, he said to the people around him. Move it! He pressed hard on elbows and shoulders. Angry looks and muttered curses followed him. He barely noticed. He craned his neck and peered after the man. The man kept his head facing the stage and his hands in his jacket pockets. He worked at something behind the jacket's closed zipper. For a grass they will, Forster's hand chopped the air. The Progressive Republic and the Unity have not chosen peace, but a truce, which they shall break the moment they conclude us too weak to defend ourselves. The men stopped behind a clump of spectators, six meters from Forster. The edges of Tomas's vision turned gray and spotty. 
Tomas shoved through the crowd, no apologies, too focused to speak. Forster's voice thundered. Elect me, and I vow to put forth every effort to defend us from our enemies and neutralize the threat of our domestic foes. Tomas came within a few steps of the man, behind him and to his right. The man's hand emerged from his jacket pocket, a dark blue pistol. The man wrapped his left hand around his right, thumbs aligned under the slide. Tomas lunged forward, knee to the back of the assassin's legs, left hand on far shoulder, right arm reaching under the assassin's arms. The pistol roared as he toppled the assassin backward over his knee. Another shot, another, high into the air over Forrester. 